Yeah, when you were talking about that crocodile piece, I was literally kind of imaging in my mind a picture of you as a crocodile just barely under the surface with <laughs> your eyeballs above the lake there. <laughs> Sit, sitting at the conference room with my chair really, really low and my yeah. eyes just barely over the table. And then all of a sudden the PowerPoint deck comes up and whoop, I'm up and I grab it. Examined, explored, and simplified. It's the podcast designed to help you be a more effective leader. Welcome to Leading the People Side of Business with Todd Averett and Todd Chandler. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Leading the People Side of Business. And tonight we're talking about in the room where it happens. It's not just sweeping the nation with Hamilton, but it affects all of us as leaders and members of the organization. How do we have more influence in the organization? How do we make sure we get a seat at the table? How do we make sure our ideas get heard? How do we make sure we are in the room where it happens? Hello, Todd. How are you? Hello, Todd. It's good to be here. Love to talk about this topic. Maybe it's best for us to just start off by taking a look at what are some of the problems that manifest itself when people feel like they are left out, where they're not in the room where it happens. Yeah. You know, Todd, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about a conversation I had with one of my direct reports a year or two ago. And uh, he came to my room, he was very, or my office, very, very professional. And uh, he asked me about a meeting that I had with a senior executive. And he said, now tell me about that meeting. And I told him about the meeting. He says, tell me what you talked about and what were some of the key decisions. And he, in a very um, effective and um, um, objective way, said, you know, Todd, had I been at a meeting, I probably could have answered some questions for you because I have more background on this particular piece because of the circumstances. Sure. Um, and it would help me to really understand what the senior person's perspective was on issue, you know, this issue or that issue. Sure. And I said, you know what? You're exactly right. <laughs> um, it would have been helpful for you to be in that meeting. And actually, that led to a change in how we manage meetings uh, with that particular senior executive. So I actually had this guy start going to meetings, just he and the senior executive themselves actually going forward. But it just reminded me that um, there can be many situations where we may not feel that we're in a meeting where decisions are made or important discussions are had that we feel like we need to participate in. That can be really frustrating. Sure. And what a great example of a person taking initiative, being aware of something taking place, and then not trying to lay a guilt trip, not trying to say I or whine about it that I really should have been there, but simply being able to offer up a value that was missed by him not being there. What a great way to earn a spot at the next round of those meetings that were going to take place. Yeah, I was impressed with how he handled it. I thought it was great that he really was coming at it from the perspective of, you know, more could have been done. We, it would have been clear. It would have eliminated the number of handoffs and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think very early on in my career, I was uh, 
lucked into the skill of being able to weasel my way into meetings that I wasn't invited to. And, uh, you know, I think part of that is just an awareness of knowing what meetings are going on. And it is exactly that point of being able to say, could I add this value to it? Could I be able to do this part of it? And then once you get yourself into the meeting to make sure that you're adding value, not taking up too much time, offering appropriate ideas. And I have found being willing to be a very strong note taker and summarizing things and getting it back around to everybody really starts to build your reputation as a valued member to meetings and gets you invited to more meetings where decisions are happening. Yeah. Well, I think part of that, Todd, is because no one else does it. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, so in general, there's not usually a very good process for summarizing, following up on assignments from the last meeting. I mean, it can occur in some meetings, it certainly does, but in many meetings, particularly management meetings, uh, there's usually not a good process for it. So what a great way to add immediately value. Yes. And I and I think it's just a way to reinforce it time and time again <clears throat> to really be able to make sure that you get invited back uh, to those ones where you think it's important to be there. Yeah. Now, I do think, Todd, it's, it's, it's an important call out to really reflect on, is this a meeting that you want to be in because you want to be the proverbial, you know, fly on the wall and hear what all that stuff's going on? Or is it something where you feel like you really need to be there because of your contribution, how you're going to contribute, your perspective, your point of view, uh, the, the nature of the conversation? Right. Uh, I, I remember there were several meetings, particularly early in my career, was I was like, well, by golly, I sure wish I was in that meeting. I could have heard that discussion. That would have been really helpful. Sure. And that may have been true. But is that sufficient for me really to be in that meeting, really to be in that meeting? I mean, think about it. One of the things I remember struggling with over the years was how do you effectively have a meeting when you have 20, 30 people in the thing? Right, yeah. You can't have the same types of earnest discussions. You can't have the same type of um, open disagreement or hashing out issues. It's just too big. Yep. And so one of the things that uh, we're trying to, as leaders, we're continually trying to manage is, What's the optimal meeting size, given that there's probably a lot more people who want to be there than it makes sense to have them be there? Well, and I think this is a critical element. What purpose and value are you going to serve That's with right. in that meeting? And what we're really talking about is not necessarily getting ourselves to more meetings, because I can honestly say that's something I'm not <laughs> interested in doing. But right. it's being able to have more influence within the organization. And it's about being there when critical decisions are being made and being able to offer perspective around those decisions to help sway them one way or the other. So I think being able to understand what's the purpose of that meeting and what role you could play in that and both what value you're going to get out of it as an individual, what information am I going to get that's going to help me do my job more effectively and what decisions are going to be made that I could help influence and what value can I add to the organization. And if that only value is, boy, it'd be kind of cool to see these two rumble, then that's not the right reason to go to the meeting. And, uh, you know, just just recently, literally this week, uh, we were in a meeting and a, a group was talking about another meeting that was going to be happening out of town. And it came up and proposed that, you know, oh, Todd, perhaps you should be there for that meeting because of this, 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 and this. And after that meeting, I, I circled back around to the, the people that were going and said, can you tell me more what the agenda is? Because traveling out of town and particularly on such short notice, 
is fairly expensive. And so really wanting to make sure I understood the value of it and be able to hold that up to criteria and say, I'm not sure that's the best use of my time. And I'm certainly not sure that's the best use of the company resources for me to be there because I'm not sure I'm going to add that much value to it, particularly when you think about the entire agenda. And I would only be covering a small piece of that. So I think really understanding what's the point of getting a seat at the table is a critical first step to have. Yeah. And, you know, Todd, as I've thought about the conversations I've had and some of the coaching I've done, quite often what I've observed is that you have people probably on the early to, to mid stage of their careers where they want to have more um, visibility to senior leaders. They want sure. to be involved in more of those conversations. Uh, that can occur. I've also seen situations where people feel very frustrated with their bosses who should be going to those meetings sharing information back with the team, and that doesn't happen. And so people sometimes feel like, well, if I went to the meeting myself, I'd be able to get that information because my boss is not. Right. And unfortunately, uh, in those cases, it's making up for <laughs> you know, deficiency on the part of the boss. And so to your point, being really clear on what you're trying to achieve um, and what you bring to the table in those meetings, I think is really important. Yeah. So getting your foot in the door is step one. Then during the meeting, step two is really making sure that your ideas get heard and that you get a chance to share your ideas. What are some either pitfalls you've seen of people not getting their ideas heard or tips on how to most effectively get their ideas heard that you think are worth discussing? Yeah. So a couple of things come to my mind. One is, and this this is you know classic public speaking stuff, Todd. But consider who the audience is, right? right, right. So if, if this is going to be comprised of a group of IT people who are focused on a certain way of thinking or certain projects, be prepared to share your information in a way that's going to resonate with them. If it's going to be senior management, think about what are the best ways to connect to strategy or key initiatives or other things that they're or metrics or sales earnings, whatever it might be. Really know that audience and be prepared for contributing in that meeting. Um, another thing that, uh, and I've talked about this in podcasts before, and that is if you get invited to a meeting and the form is appropriate given given the group size, by all means speak up. Right, right. right. So ha- have a point of view, share a point of view, and sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it takes courage. Uh, sometimes there are people in those meetings that dominate. You probably, you and I have both been in meetings because I think you and I have been in some of the same meetings, Todd, <laughs> where, where there are people that just kind of over, over um, I don't know, they kind of overwhelm everyone else because they talk so loudly sure. and so sure. so much. And so part of it also is learning how to um, break into that and know when to raise your voice, know when to keep pushing forward, even when someone else may be trying to interrupt. I mean, there there are some skills that can be learned through practice to help deal with you know, kind of domineering, domin- I don't know if domineering is the right term, but just people who kind of take over yep. the conversation. So I think that's another key. Yeah, no, I think absolutely. And I think that's a been a big change and evolution in my own personal career over time is mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, very early on, I was one that would be an early start and jump in quickly with ideas and what I had. And one of the things, particularly if it's not my meeting or not one that I'm uh, necessarily pulling a, a lead perspective on, is to play much more of a crocodile role of sitting there quietly observing and waiting for the right opportunity. And then when the right opportunity presents itself, make sure I, I, 
I react quickly and respond up. And uh, maybe that's a little too carnivore of an example, but to, uh, you know, get my prey and be able to uh, share and move very quickly. The tough part is you can't sit there quietly and wait for an opportunity that never exists. So sometimes you do have to make your own opportunities. But I also find the people that want to over talk or a lot to share, sometimes if you try to interrupt them or get into quickly, it just goes into a head to head battle. And letting them get all their ideas out. And if we can really pull this off, show reflection and say, acknowledge that we've heard them and reflect that back to them, then we've in essence tilled the soil so that they're more receptive for us to be able to come back around and uh, be able to plant some seeds and start to share some of our own ideas. I like that. Yeah, when you're talking about that crocodile piece, I was literally kind of imaging in my mind a picture of you as a crocodile just barely under the surface with their eyeballs above the lake there. (laughs) Sitting at the conference room with my chair really, really low and my eyes just barely over the table. And then all of a sudden the PowerPoint deck comes up and whoop, I'm up and I grab it. (laughs) I, you know, I think the point you made about um, not waiting too long is a very valid one. You know, I, I can think of many meetings I've been over the years where I was, I was waiting for there to be a pause in the conversation because I felt like I had something to contribute, but the pause never came. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, someone just jumped right in. And so sometimes, even though it might be counter to your personality, uh, or there may be some level differences in the room where you feel less comfortable, sometimes you do need to jump in and say, hey, you know, I just I want to make sure this point gets made here because I think it's really important and express the point. And it's a learning process, right? There's going to be times when you've jumped in too early and there's going to be times when you waited too late and you missed your opportunity. And both of those provide learning for you to be able to adjust the next time around. And I do think there's an assertiveness that we've got to be able to feel comfortable that when the topic starts to shift away and you still have something worth sharing to be able to add to that. But there's also a point of understanding to say, was what I plan to share just a me too-ism or to make sure that I had a chance to talk or does it really add value to the conversation? Because sometimes that conversation starts to shift away and the point you were going to make is no longer relevant. And so it's time to move on and not hold the group up. Right. Well, I think we have a whole range of choices in terms of how we contribute the meaning. Obviously, one of us, we listen. We can listen actively. We can listen passively and you know, actually be thinking about other things or a favorite hobby of many executives is to do email during the middle of a meeting. <laughs> uh, but what we do contribute, I think we have a range of choices there too. So for example, um, are we sharing an insight or an experience that helps clarify a point? Are we sharing an opinion? Are we sharing a data point or a metric? Um, some of the most powerful contributions I've ever seen taught in meetings has been when someone has asked a very insightful question. Right. Right. In fact, so so insightful. I've seen entire rooms go quiet yep. as people are like, wow, <laughs> we need to really think about that. I don't know what the answer that is. Right. And um, I think that when we are invited and in, in the room, when it happens, we should think about what, what ways are we contributing? Because there can be a variety of them that might have different values or different levels of impact. Right. No, totally agree. And just a real quick comment about checking emails uh, while during the meeting. You know, one of the the best ways you can make sure you start to build 
person who should be there when the decisions are made is to make sure you are present and fully engaged throughout. And I think there's this myth that we can multitask and engage in that. But while you might be able to hear what's happening or be able to mimic it back very quickly, if you need to, you're not fully exploring the depth of the conversation that's going on and giving it the thought that's required when you're doing something else like checking your email. So I think being fully present is one of those things that really helps us get our ideas across more effectively. Right. You know, another thing I was thinking about, Todd, was, uh, you know, particularly if you're if you're new to a meeting or you just changed roles or departments, you, you will likely be in meetings where some of the topics you won't be deeply familiar with. Right. And uh, it's very easy because it's human nature to say, well, I'm just going to coast on this one because I don't know the topic very well. And that's normal. We all have that. However, if this is going to be an ongoing meeting that you're going to be participating in, you know, it may make sense to invest in some preparation outside of the meeting. So, yep. for example, if, if part of the meeting structure is to go through some financials or some key metrics that you don't quite understand how they're calculated or what they mean, talk to someone that knows that stuff prior to, you know, prior to a meeting or after a meeting uh, to gain better understanding about it. If there's a, some key project or that keeps getting reported on that you don't know anything about, talk to the project lead outside the meeting and become familiar with it so that when you're in the next meeting, you can contribute more meaningfully. Right, right. Yeah, to really, and, and I think, and we've, we've talked about this on several of the past episodes, but to be able to debrief afterwards, to have a trusted partner, to be able to say, give me some feedback about my interaction during that, and how can I be more effective going forward? But certainly on a knowledge base, too, to be able to say, some of the conversation that took place, I wasn't as up to speed as I should have been on that, so what do I need to do to get my homework so that I'm better prepared, knowledge base-wise, for that next round? Yeah. Now, Todd, can I talk about one pet peeve? Sure. Very quickly. (laughs) And this has to do with HR people. I know that some of our listeners are HR folks. You know, sometimes with some of the HR executives that I've talked to or I'm doing some coaching with, sometimes they feel reluctant to contribute to a conversation that's not directly related to recruiting or directly related to training or directly related to employee engagement or whatever. Um, While it's clearly an opportunity to, to jump in when those those topics come up. I have seen um, HR leaders be much more influential and impactful when they can contribute to a business conversation, when they can contribute to a strategy conversation, when they can contribute to customer information. Um, So just a little side note, but whether you're in HR or IT or law, right, if you're in a business meeting, uh, please contribute to the business and don't stay wrapped in the cocoon, cocoon of your specialty area. Yeah, and what I'd like to do is take two things that you've said here and combine them into a very specific tactical tool that our listeners could use when they're in a meeting and feeling a need to contribute. And so think about the fact of what you said about sometimes asking a good question to help lead the discussion as opposed to sharing a point or making an argument. And then also feeling like I've brought specialized knowledge to this and we're not talking about my specialized knowledge. So how do I contribute to the overall conversation? And I think one very specific question that you can ask in most situations is how does this affect our customer? And that could be an internal customer. It could be an external customer. But just thinking and keeping that customer in mind and maybe 
maybe even more broadly, how does that affect this other department? How does this affect the others who aren't in the room with us right now? I think can be a very powerful way to add value to almost any meeting in any discussion. I like that. You know, another idea that I was just thinking about, Todd, and, we, and I've seen this done, uh, particularly working through, um, you know, big company changes, strategy changes, restructures, that kind of thing. One of the tactics that's going to be really helpful is at the end of the meeting, what we've done is we've put together a little um, template, if you and said, okay, so here are the decisions we made in this meeting. Here's what we're going to do next. What is our communication plan to share this information with the people that need to know it? Sure. So. So, for example, if we need to communicate to the IT team about something or if we're going to communicate to the entire organization about some strategy change, what's the plan to share it? And in my experience, that can be really, really helpful because it, is, it assures uh, more li- that more likely key information that needs to be cascaded will be cascaded because you talk specifically about the plan. And the the question that goes along with that so much is who else needs to know who else that's right does this possibly affect yeah yeah exactly exactly now you shared one of your pet peeves i want to share one of my pet peeves and oh that, good that, that, is, that is uh the stealing of ideas in a meeting and and, 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 I, and i have and i have to say most of the time what happens in those situations is a person shares an idea and somebody else gets so excited about that idea that they jump right onto it and want to add value to it. But because of lack of communication skills or lack of awareness, they start talking about it as if it was their own idea that they had actually uh, come up with it because they're so excited about it. And so I think whenever that happens where it's our idea that we threw out and somebody else steals it from us, I think one of the first things to keep in mind is at least give the person the benefit of the doubt that the intention there is they really like this idea. That's why they're jumping all over it. And I don't need to get too much into a tug of war with it. But there are certainly some tactics that you can do to make sure that you're getting credit for the value you bring to the, the table too. The other thing is, as long as the idea gets implemented and it gets improved and it goes on, that that's really what we're trying to achieve here, not necessarily who got the who got the check mark on the board for uh, having the most ideas during the meeting. Yeah. Well, I think the, the key thing with, with your example, Todd, which is terrific, is what what is the culture like within your organization, within your team? You know, how important is that taking credit to visibility of senior management or promotions or, you know, who who gets to interact in what way or participate in what team? There are some cultures where, you know, that credit is so important to people moving forward in their organization that that could be a real big deal. Uh, and then emotionally, just sometimes individually, that could be a big deal. And so that that's something to kind of assess. And that is, you know, am I just ticked off because someone else took credit for my idea or are there other things going on? Um, and then I would also offer that um, if there is a pattern of people taking credit, I'm thinking of one <laughs> uh, uh, one executive in particular. Todd, I'm sorry, I'm chuckling here, just thinking about it. But uh, I think about one particular executive. You seem to have with. a very visceral response when this person's <laughs> memory came back. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't work for this person, but uh, I worked with the team that that uh, did work with this person frequently, and regularly uh, this person would take credit and senior management ideas for plans and projects and results. And uh, it was really frustrating for the team because they spent hours and hours on this and um, they didn't feel like their their work was being recognized. Yeah. And it led to a lot of frustration on the team. So uh, what a couple of team members did, which I thought was great, is uh, 
you know, as as they were invited to participate, they would they would use phrases such as, well, you know, when manager when my manager and I talked about this, I suggested this and this, and she thought it was a good idea, and we'd run with it. Yep. And you know, they would use language like that that helped create the understanding that it was a shared uh, piece. The other thing that they did is that they directly would send information to some of the other colleagues and partners uh, related to some of their initiative, you know, copying people on emails, things like that. And you have to be careful about becoming overly political about that, but sometimes those techniques are important if you have a leader who's habitually <laughs> taking credit. And frankly, my experience has been people who do that have low confidence and low self-esteem, right. and uh, they're kind of dealing with those issues. I like the way you very subtly in your example called out the use of we over I. And I think, right. you know, that's <laughs> one way that we can make sure that we help share the ideas. And when we try to make sure that we're watching ourselves when we get excited about other people's ideas, it's it's a conversion to we as opposed to I and start to take ownership for that other idea. I think the other thing that's helpful for us as good organizational citizens is to make sure that we're aware of when that takes place when we're not involved with it and help call it back. So, you know, Susan, you know, Susan throws out a great idea. Steve steals that idea and starts to, to claim it as his own for us to be able to jump in and say, man, I really like this, the idea that Susan threw out there because I think it can do da 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 da. And so that we can amplify or add emphasis and help. Police is too strong of a word, but help reinforce the origins of some of those ideas within that given meeting. Yeah, I think that's right. That could be a very explicit kind of conversation you have. Yep. Just exactly as you said. You know, we really appreciate how she brought this idea up. I like how Steve has added to that. You know, it's okay to acknowledge the additions, but acknowledging the source, I think, is really, really helpful, particularly for those individuals or groups who may be underrepresented in some of the conversations or whose ideas keep getting stolen. <laughs> sure, absolutely. So I can see that being really important. Yeah. So you think about how we become better influencers and we start to bring value and we're making sure that our ideas get heard and we've earned a seat at the table, we've earned our invitation into the room where it happens. If we're doing that right, we're going to get to a point where we are getting more invites to be part of projects and part of decisions uh, than we are capable to be part of. So what's the other side of that coin? What are some skills and tactics as we start to wrap this up to really be able to say, okay, here's how I mitigate that a little bit and here's how I get out of the room uh, where it happens because that's not something I need to be involved in. Yeah, well, there's probably a lot of things, but you know, it strikes me, Todd, that a fundamental piece to this puzzle is coming to the understanding that those meetings are not all about us. And specifically thinking about how can the team, how can the organization, how can the department be benefited by what's going on in those meetings, the conversations that take in those meetings, the decisions made in those meetings, communication taking those meetings, and not go into those meetings thinking about what's in it for me. Yep. <laughs> you know, what am I gonna get out of this? How am I gonna look good? Now, that's all human nature, and we all do it to some extent. But I think if, if our true intent is what's going to be the right outcome for the team, the organization, department, whatever, uh, I think we'll just go about it, think about it differently, right? When, in terms of the questions we ask, 
uh, giving people credit, um, contributing when we have a good idea. I think all of those things fall into place a little bit more nicely when we have that perspective. And, and I think sometimes, particularly in a leadership role, when you and somebody on your team are invited into a meeting, I'll just speak from my own experience, it's helpful for me to take a step back and say, am I casting a shadow in that meeting that right. is keeping that person from being more fully engaged? And if that's the case, am I adding enough value to really make it worth that? And if not, maybe even it's a topic I'm passionate about. Maybe it's one I can add a great deal of value to. It's one that is a high priority for me. But if I'm inhibiting somebody's development on that, maybe I need to take a step back and my influence can start to take a different form. I can have a quick conversation with beforehand and say, now these are the critical things that we need to get implemented. Now, all of that is dependent on if the person's capable and if you feel comfortable doing that. But I think sometimes it's helpful for us to push ourselves and to honestly free up time for ourselves as leaders and create those development opportunities for members on our team to start to step up and play a larger role in the room where it happens. Agree. I would also say that as leaders, you know, let's say we have some sort of leadership responsibility as it relates to the outcomes of the meeting. I think that we also need to be accountable for calling out bad behavior. Oh, yeah. Right. So when you have people who are manipulating meetings or constantly taking credit, uh, depending on what the situation is, either either calling it out in the meeting as it goes or right. uh, or handling it outside of the meeting. But um, I think part of the challenge with these things is that bad behavior doesn't get addressed. Right. So, so for example, this is just a small thing, but if, if there's a person who keeps dominating the conversation – uh, one approach can easily be, hey, John, I really appreciate the perspective. I'm glad you've been able to share that with us. I'd like to hear from some of the other team members who might have other perspectives. Let's hear now from Sally and from Joanna and, and Carmela or whoever. Right. Uh, and make sure that uh, you kind of steer some of the conversation from a domineering person to the others that may not contribute as much. Sure. You know, just one of the tools that I found effective for people that fall into that gap afterwards is to simply say, if you think about the amount of time in that meeting as a pie chart, what piece of the pie were you contributing to that? So how big of a section were you doing? And, you know, often they're like, well, you know, 20, 30 percent. Would it shock you if my perception of your participation was 50 or 60 percent of, you know, consuming the time within that meeting? Well, that would shock me, you know. Okay, well, here's why I saw it that way and here's how it plays out so that you can then start to change that perspective and be able to offer it because then I think it gives you permission during the next meeting to really be able to kind of help hold that person more accountable uh, so that they're not hogging all of the uh, speaking time during the meeting. Yeah, that's right. I can remember having a conversation one time. This is a little bit different, but this falls into the same category of giving feedback to folks at meetings. One of the guys that I was working with, uh, we'd have uh, meetings and this person was extremely good at identifying issues and problems with things, uh, but he very rarely shared solutions. <laughs> yep. So yep. when he would come to a meeting, you know, it was it was it was kind of a downer because he would kind of pick holes in everything. Yep. And so I remember having a conversation with him, saying, you know, when, when you're in those meetings, we would love to hear your ideas for solutions because we hear your about your problems all the time. Yep. And uh, and I had I had that conversation with him outside the meeting, but. What was terrific is that um, over time, I saw him more and more where he was trying to contribute to solutions. And that's just another example where, as a leader, you can have those private conversations that can ultimately influence what's going on in those meetings. 
What I loved about uh, this topic was, you know, as we were kind of thinking about having the discussion, it was really about, as individuals, how do we make sure that we have more impact and influence within the organization? But it's really involved to much more as leader, what's our role to make sure that everyone has an impact and influence within the organization? Because we're going to end up with a much stronger result if we're getting input from all sides as opposed to a few uh, select people. So I think it's a pretty important skill as leaders to be able to do it individually, but also to be able to shape the organization, the team, the culture to make sure that the right people are in the room where it happens. They're behaving in a way that makes sure that the decisions that take place are most effective and that everyone's time is used very wisely. You know, it seems to me, Todd, that as, as we think about this, this topic, it, it goes back to our own motivations and how we think about the motivations of other people. And I think if we just are a little bit more neutral and objective about those things, most of our meetings will end up being a lot better for us. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. do with that group is just helping them come to a decision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I got to tell you, it's amazing to me how many people don't know how to end a meeting. 